everybody, and welcome to Fantasy Football Today. DFS, a very special show. We're at the divisional round phase, and instead of doing Friday shows, we're doing Thursday shows because we've got these games starting on Saturday. We've got Mike McClure and Meg Shop with us today. Meg, I'm going to start with you. How are you doing today? Are you excited about the divisional round? Of course. I'm so excited. You know, uh, we love short slates, but now it's getting tougher because all these teams, we can't just scratch off a team. Um, all these teams, you know, deserve to be here. And uh, it's really exciting. It's really exciting to be with both of you. I watch you guys every Friday. So it's uh, it's fun to do a show, um, all three of us. Well, we're happy to have you on this game by game preview show. So that's really cool. Mike McClure, how you doing? Uh, listen, I, we have people in the chat already saying there's the Dak Ferguson Jones lineups cashed lovely last week. That's from James A. Greg Goose Hayes is excited about the show. How excited are you about this divisional round? I mean, I, I, I almost like we're going to do the game by game preview, but I'm so interested in how these quarterbacks are going to stack up against each other, where these stacks are going to go. Uh, how do you feel about all that? Because I feel like there's a lot of different directions we can go this week. There are a lot of different directions to go, Sia. Uh, I think it's fascinating matchups. You know, you get the, the one in the dome, you get uh, the classic in Bill's Chiefs. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of very interesting matchups, a lot of interesting price points. Uh, and the way I'm seeing it, so a few interesting ownership uh, decisions around the industry already as well. So I, I can't wait to uh, look at it. We'll talk about quarterbacks when we get into it. It's fascinating. The AFC quarterback side looks loaded in terms of name value, uh, but maybe some of the NFC quarterbacks are the ones getting owned and played here in DFS. Yeah, and I actually kind of want to lead with that. By the way, don't forget our DraftKings uh, contest, FFT DFS contest. It's live. It's actually in the chat description here. If you're watching us on YouTube, it's going to be in the podcast description as well. Uh, I tweeted it out the other day. Let's try to see if we can fill that up. I got it out late, so maybe we won't fill it. Let's see uh, if we can get to that 200 mark, though. But, Mike, before we get into this Texans-Ravens game, uh, I do want to ask you, because I know you're taking – you, you keep an eye on ownership here. And I know, listen, it's it's still early when it, from an ownership standpoint. But when I made my lineups, I only made a couple, just really for the purposes of this show, I just wanted to see what fit and what didn't. It seemed to me that Brock Purdy and Jared Goff lineups were going to be pretty popular because of just because of how prohibitive it is to, to stack other quarterbacks or just like some of the pieces, you if you wanted a Christian McCaffrey, like I just ended Amon Ross St. Brown. I ended up going to, to golf and Purdy more often. Is that what the industry is doing as well? Yeah, a lot of Jared Goff, a lot of Brock Purdy. I'm also showing Baker Mayfield kind of in that range as well. Uh, but I think the decisions are just overall incredibly fascinating. I get why Goff and, and Mayfield are there. Uh, when you look at the total in the game, you look at just the controlled environment, the dome. You got to love that generally. Uh, but the price points just absolutely interesting is the way I will mention it because we're talking only $300 difference between Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes, uh, $500 difference between Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes. So, yes, very interesting, but it is showing Goff a pretty clear number one in terms of ownership. And then I've got Purdy and Mayfield. Uh, definitely two and three, but right there similar. Yeah, and Meg, I, we are going to get to Texans-Ravens. I am curious, though, like hearing all these quarterback names, and we know Josh Allen's the most expensive. We know like Brock Purdy and Jared Goff are, are kind of like a lot less expensive than, than than a big name like Josh Allen. Not that you've made any lineups yet, but but have you early in the process, and again, we'll talk about each of these games, 
do you have a lean in terms of like a quarterback or two that you you feel like you're going to end up playing a lot from a stacking standpoint? I mean, I do like that dome game. Um, obviously, two pass funnel defenses will get to it. Um, so I do have interest in those quarterbacks, but I also have interest in, you know, kind of the high floor ceiling quarterbacks like a Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson that give you that rushing floor. I mean, Josh Allen with has has what 16 rushing touchdowns. So I think that's still in play despite. Um, his tough matchup, obviously, more has a much easier matchup. So we'll get into it. But um, off the jump, those are probably the four that I've circled so far in addition to Purdy. And I'm trying to whittle it from there. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's talk about the Texans first. Let's go Texans plus nine and a half at the Ravens. It's a 43 and a half point total. Uh, this one's interesting. I do want to point out, I mean, we're talking about these curated, you know, good dome environments like Detroit's going to have. This one could have some weather, and, and by weather, I really mean just cold, colder temperatures, which isn't a huge deal necessarily, but there also might be, along with those cold temperatures, there might be some wind to contend with, 15 to 20 miles per hour. Again, none of those things are deal breakers by any means, but I, I think, you know, Mike, I'll start with you. This seems like a game that people, like, you know, people have to X, they don't have to X games off, but they have to X, like, players off and packs of players off because, you know, they're going to want to have concentration on this in a four-game slate in one or two games. This feels like a game that people are going to have less of. And, and I just wonder from a game theory standpoint, if, if you think, well, if that's the case, you know, maybe I need to go to, to a CJ Stroud stack or to a Lamar stack to Zay Flowers. Uh, but there's a lot. I mean, to me, there's not a lot that I love in this game. I don't know that I'm getting to Nico Collins. I don't know that I'm get, getting to Devin Singletary. And when it comes to Lamar Jackson, I do kind of like that against Houston secondary. But, you know, is, is it? Mark Andrews, like, am I am I playing him? Is Isaiah likely out of the question because Mark Andrews is back? Is it really just Zay Flowers and then you move on? There's a lot to consider here, and I and I guess I, I want to make this kind of more open ended. We don't have to go player by player, but I'll like, is if is this a game you'd consider from a stacking standpoint? I mean, you know, I think the the question there definitely depends on how many lineups you're playing. Like, if you're if you're playing a twenty max contest or more, then yes, you're stacking every single game on the slate. There's only mm -hmm. four games to pick from uh, with an elite quarterback situation in pretty much every single one of them. So, yes, I, I think that you definitely can stack Lamar. He's very clearly going to be lower owned uh, than a lot of these quarterbacks, so you're going to get a nice ownership percentage on Lamar if you want to play him. The issue that you have is, is the stack, right? Where do you go? Um, they're relatively healthy. They're very likely to be in a game script where they're winning the game. Um, do they let Lamar run a lot? Do they let the backs handle a lot of those carries? We'll see. Uh, I like Lamar a little bit. Certainly not going to be my primary lineup. Certainly not going to be um, any, you know, anything that I'm looking to play in, say, I'm playing five lineups like normal. I doubt that I go anywhere in this game at all. Um, if I were, I actually don't mind the CJ Stroud stack. And that is coming from someone that, uh, will have the Ravens. I already have the Ravens minus eight and a half. Um, keeping in mind that when you get here, there's only four games. It's not a 10 game slate. There is absolutely a scenario that the Texans lose this game by 10 points. And CJ Stroud is still somewhat close to being good enough at quarterback. Uh, and because of that, we know they're going to throw the football. They have no shot of having a run game in this game. They're going to be trailing. Uh, I think there are chances that C.J. Stroud outscores Lamar Jackson in this game. 
while the Ravens absolutely dominate the game just because of the way short fields get set up, depending on, you know, is there a defensive score or not? Um, I, I think Stroud's going to have the opportunity to rack up yardage and fantasy points here still. So I wouldn't rule them out, but it's mostly just an ownership thing. Uh, there shouldn't be a single quarterback on this slate projected at 2% owned. Uh, and that's where I have CJ Stroud right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and a lot of the reason, Meg, is, you know, people, a lot of people use uh, optimizers. By the way, I took down a tournament last week and I hand built. So let, let's, 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 let's get a check mark in the box of the one of the few check marks, perhaps, uh, for the hand builders. But, you know, with the implied total so low, it's, they have the lowest implied total at 17, but that doesn't mean it's going to be 17, right? Like there are scenarios. Listen, when the Rams went to Baltimore, what was it, three or four? It was probably like four to five weeks mm -hmm. ago. They put up 31 and probably should have won that game, by the way. They lost, they ended up losing that game to the Ravens at Baltimore in overtime. But there are scenarios where CJ Stroud and company put up 24 points. And what I like about them, and I'm curious if you like this as well. The concentration of targets seems to be pretty concentrated. Sorry for the redundant uh, phraseology there, but it, it seems to be with Noah Brown out on IR that you're looking at Nico Collins, maybe Dalton Schultz, of course, and then a little bit of Robert Woods or, or, or Mechie. And so to me, it, it, it does make sense. CJ Stroud, 6,700, Nico, Nico Collins, 7,100. It does make sense. And you don't necessarily have to run this back with anybody, but Stroud to Nico... I don't hate that if the ownership's going to be super low. Is that something that you, if you were making five lineups, you'd experiment with? You have to love the condensed target share to, uh, to Nico Collins, of course. And Mike makes an excellent point about Stroud's ownership. I think I'm going to stay with, listen, I have not played Stroud enough this season. And it's been big mm -hmm. mistake, huge on my part. I admit that. But the home road splits are tough for Stroud. He do does play much better at home in a dome. You know, the Ravens defense, while we have seen quarterbacks put up numbers like Stafford, is a tough defense on the road here. So I think just because of everything we have to choose from and other receivers that I do like, and we'll get to them as well, I don't think I'm going to get to a, a Stroud-Collins stack for that reason, but I hear all the points on ownership, and I love the condensed target share. So it makes me nervous, but I don't think I'm going to do Stroud, and I am going to play um, some Lamar. He played, speaking of home road splits, he's had four massive ceiling games at home, 30-plus points. You know, you got to love that you know, doesn't need, despite some wins, he can obviously get there with the rushing floor ceiling combo as well. So I like that. And kind of like you did last week, you can play a quarterback like a Lamar and you don't have to have some kind of massive stack and you can get other pieces when, you know, you did it with Allen last week in your win. So it might be something I consider like that, not forcing a big stack with Lamar, but still getting access to him. That's a good point. And Mike, let me ask you this before we move on to Packers Niners. If you're playing Lamar, are, are you playing him naked or are you playing him with like a Zay Flowers, for example, and then moving along? Uh, probably would be naked I, at this point. I'm going to see – I'm expanding the player pool here to see if I get anything. Um, yeah, I'm not getting – I have one Lamar, Andrew, Lamar with Mark Andrews. Um, Andrews, one with Flowers. Yeah, about half of the lineups have a, a stack, half don't when I try and like force a Lamar build. Uh, but it's all, it's heavy Mark Andrews with a little bit of Zay. Uh, none okay. of them so far. Oh, there's one double stack with Odell and uh, Mark Andrews. But yeah, typically, again, this is getting very, very deep. So I'd have to be playing a lot of lineups. Um, yeah. Most likely it would be Lamar naked. 
Okay. And so it sounds to me like this is a game where we're just not going to have a lot of shares in. And it does make sense. But to, to Mike's point earlier, if you're playing a lot of lineups, certainly CJ Stroud, um, like a Nico Collins stack, uh, is likely to be contrarian on this slate. By the way, Josh Lucero says, hey, what's up, everyone? One of my favorite shows of the week. Brian Waka says, good morning. Greg Goose Hayes, Scott, he says he's already entered the FFT DFS contest. And I guess it's his birthday coming up, so he wants to win the contest. So good luck to you, Scott. Everybody hit the like button if you haven't already. Speaking of likes, I like the Packers plus 9.5 at the 49ers. I'm not saying I like the Packers plus 9.5, although I kind of like that too. I think that's too many points personally. And if it clicks up to 10, uh, it's going to be hard for me to ignore taking the Packers plus 10, even though I have the 49ers as my Super Bowl pick, dating back to the preseason. They're clearly, to me, the best team in football, but geez, 10 points. That's a lot. Anyway, 50 and a half point total. That is a big total. Uh, let me just verify that is the highest one. Yeah, that, of course, that's the highest one. Second one is going to be the, the lines in terms of totals on this slate. Meg, I'm going to kick it to you here. I, you know, what's we just talked about concentration of targets when it comes to the Texans. We don't really have that with Jordan Love. I mean, I, Jordan Love is playing so well, but like nobody expected Romeo Dobbs of all people to be like the guy like literally capital T-H-E, like he was the guy for the Packers yesterday, outside of, of course, Aaron Jones. I'm talking about receivers. I'm not going back to Romeo Dobbs here, but I think the larger point I'm making is that when it comes to Jordan Love, I mean, I don't know who to stack him with. I think Dontavian Wicks is a great, I think he's a touchdown monster. I think, you know, Christian Watson can break a slate. I think Jaden Reed is, maybe I think he's a little overrated in the market personally, but at 5,200, I think he's a great play. So you know, my question for you is, do you think you're getting to any Jordan Love stacks? I mean, maybe it's Jordan Love to Aaron Jones and you call it a day. I'm not sure. I've been very impressed with with Jordan Love. And, you know, it's it's tempting, just a potential negative game script. But no, I don't think I'm going to. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason is just that spread out target tree. You know, the target percentage is all over the place and consistent for these guys. You know, the route percentage is is quite pretty similar. Obviously Watson is working his way back, but you know, that makes it very, very tough to pick which receiver. It really has ping ponged back and forth the last few weeks between Wicks and Reed and Dubs last week. So, you know, that is really tough to pick a receiver that you think is going to be the guy. I mean, I feel like Reed has had the most consistency throughout the year, dealt yep. with injuries as well, but it just makes it very difficult. So I don't see myself getting to love stacks. And quite honestly, I am struggling with if I were to run it back, what Packers receiver would I do? Yeah. That's an interesting point, Mike, because I think a lot of people are going to want to play Brock Purdy. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they play Brock Purdy because there's so many guys involved. You know, on FFT DFS, a lot of times, at least I have, and we've talked about this, I've just taken out the receiver group. I'm including Kittle in that receiver group, by the way. I've taken them out and I've said, all right, it's going to be Brock Purdy. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey. And hopefully he just spreads it thin among Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle and Debo Samuel. It doesn't always work out like that, but that's usually how I play it. So my question for you is two part. First of all, do you like the Brock Purdy stack and who you're stacking him with? And the second part of the question is, are you bringing him back with anybody? And maybe it's multiple guys. It's a four game slate, you know? So, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be crazy if you brought him back with two guys, but I'm just curious how you would play a Brock Purdy stack. Yeah, see, I think it's a great question. Uh, I don't love big Brock Purdy stacks in this situation. Um, mm -hmm. I think that if you want to play a cash game, you want to play, you know, a lot of builds. My favorite way to play Brock Purdy is simply Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey stacked in the same lineup. Uh, mm -hmm. Doing that, you know, outside of the Debo Samuel rushing touchdown, which honestly has become more rare as they become healthy, uh, mm -hmm. you're essentially gaining exposure to every offensive score um, 
from San Francisco. And there's certainly a scenario where San Francisco puts up 35 plus points. A lot of these other games become 2017 games, 24, 21 games, uh, where you can set yourself apart there. So if I were playing Brock Purdy, I would be stacking him first and foremost with Christian McCaffrey, just trying to capture all of San Francisco's offensive scoring. Uh, as far as bringbacks, um, initially, it looks like for me, it's going to be Aaron Jones. I think he's going to be incredibly popular to me. He's looked like basically the best running back in the NFL since he's returned. Um, mm -hmm. The one area where I think San Francisco is extremely vulnerable is up the middle uh, in, in terms of running. So I think the, the game plan for green Bay is going to be run the football as much as they can. Um, but yeah, on the Brock Purdy side, it's looking like it's just McCaffrey and then some McCaffrey and Kittle. And keeping in mind why I would like Kittle over some of the others isn't necessarily that I like him better in the passing game. It's more of a positional requirement. When you've got a roster, a tight end on a four-game slate, um, that is likely why the computer's using a little more Kittle than some of the other mm -hmm. uh, wide receiver options, You know that and their price points, et cetera. But um, yeah, it looks like Purdy McCaffrey, uh, I guess the other thing I would say there is I can't imagine playing a Purdy lineup without Christian McCaffrey, frankly. Um, yeah. So Christian McCaffrey puts Brock Purdy in a position to succeed a lot of the time. So if Purdy has that spike game, it's typically going to be options in the red zone because Christian McCaffrey helped move the football between the 20s. So uh, I, I wouldn't play Purdy without McCaffrey. Okay. What about a lineup with McCaffrey and Aaron Jones and then you get out of that game? Do you think that's viable? Yes, I think it'll be popular, but I, I definitely think it's viable. I know opposing running backs do have a negative correlation. Uh, I think that can be thrown out the window on a four-game slate, um, especially when you're talking about volume. You know, we talked about it with, with Aaron Jones, you know, the last several weeks here. I see no scenario outside of an injury where Aaron Jones touches the football fewer than 23 times in this game. So, And to that point. I Meg, I'll point this out. Christian McCaffrey's rushing and receiving total, it's obviously highest on the slate. That's no surprise to anybody. It's a whopping 130 and a half. Again, that's rushing and receiving. The next running back down from that is none other than Aaron Jones at 89 and a half. And for the record, the next running back down from that, and this surprises me a little bit, is Isaiah Pacheco. And it doesn't surprise me that he's the next one down. What surprises me is that his rushing and receiving total is 86 and a half. That's only three short of Aaron Jones's. So I just think that's a, something interesting to point out that they're a little bit closer um, than maybe people would think. Uh, with that said, let me go back to Kittle before we move on from this game. Okay. I mean, we've talked about the Green Bay Packer receivers. Like if you want to play that lottery, feel free. I mean, I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad move. You could go back to Jaden Reed at 5,200. That makes a ton of sense because maybe he gets that volume back. Um, again, we already talked about Aaron Jones. I think Dontavian Wicks is always interesting. Watson at 4,200 can break a slate. But let's, Meg, I want to ask you about Kittle because I think a lot of people are going to end up on Kittle because there's not a lot of good tight ends to choose from. I mean, we got Mark Andrews coming back from an injury. Nobody's sure if Sam Laporta is really fully healthy. I'm certainly not sure about that, even though he's logging in uh, full practices. There's just, in uh, you know, between, let's say, Travis Kelsey and... George Kittle, I think people are going to opt for George Kittle for a variety of different reasons. So I'm curious, does Kittle, are there other tight ends? And, and you know, we'll, we'll go game by game, but are there other tight ends that you think you're going to be rostering over George Kittle? I think Kittle would be one of my favorite tight ends on this slate. I mean, Mike made a great point about, yes, I like stacking him with McCaffrey, but the next one, next 49er that I want to stack 
pretty with is Kittle. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's a perfect way to go about it. And and Kittle is probably my favorite tight end on this slate. I do have some interest in some of the other ones and we'll get to them, but I, I Kittle is number one for me. All right. By the way, if you have questions about any of these games or any props or anything like that, Mike, did you have something? Uh, no, no, no. We'll talk about the, uh, the tight end position when we get to the other games. Nope. All gotcha, good. Gotcha. I'm going to update on my end. So. Yeah, if you have any questions in the chat, please uh, let us know. I mean, we try to make this a pretty inclusive show when it comes to just getting the chat involved, but also talking about other stuff. Like, uh, Mike, you just talked about a bet you made, right? Was it the Ravens? What what was the bet you referenced earlier in the show? You've already bet the Ravens? Yeah, Ravens minus eight and a half. I bet the Packers plus 10 already as well. Um, Love it. Yeah, early, early week, so... Yeah, like those situations. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk about the next two games, which will be on Sunday. Uh, but before we do, let's hear a message from our partners. Welcome back. It's the Buccaneers. It's the Lions. It's a 48 and a half point total. I think this is going to be a popular game. Meg, I'm going to start with you on this one. So what's interesting about this game is that it's really easy to get to Jared Goff's stacks. It's really easy to, we talked about concentration of targets. We talk about, it's such a featured thing that we talk about on this show. And Amon Ross St. Brown. Jamison Williams, not really a, a big part of the game, the game plan, but Josh Reynolds, we talked about it last week, Mike, on the game by game preview. You said, and you, you said it on Twitter too, in response to a question, you were a hundred percent all in on Josh Reynolds. Yeah. I think you had him in every single lineup and what did he have five catches for 80 yards? Like that was a real, and it could have even been bigger, but the point I'm making here, even if Laporta gets involved, Meg, it does seem like a Jared Goff stack. It's just so easy for people to make with Goff being 6,300, Amon Ra 8,200, maybe a double stacking with Josh Reynolds to get some of that price relief. It just seems like an easy way to go. And I'm not saying it's easy in, the, in, a, in a negative sense. It's, it's kind of hard for me to get away from that, but I, I have no problem doing getting away from it. But, but I get why people would go there. Are you going there? This is how I'm handling Jared Goff. I'm very interested in his overs in the market. I think we have two pass funnel defenses here and, you know, we want to attack both in the passing game. And that's what's so fun in a dome environment. Right. But for Jared Goff, the thing with the Lions is if they get ahead, they can be very conservative, you Mm -hmm. know, running the ball. When they're in, you know, around the red zone, they could, we see David Montgomery and Gibbs last week, you know, they each get a touchdown. Jared Goff only throws for one. So, you know, outside of that, that Broncos game where he threw for five and against these very Buccaneers, I believe he threw for three. He's had a couple, you know, uh, obviously two, three touchdown games, but he really needs that touchdown variance to be, you know, a three touchdown game to get you where you need to go. And for that reason, and because they could play more conservative, I'm going to go on the other side to Baker in this mm-hmm. game. Now on the Saturday, on the two game slate, I will have some, um, excuse me, the Sunday two game slate, I will have some golf, but on the four game slate, it's just going to be Baker in this game for me, but love golf's overs as well. That's a really interesting point, Mike, because I think a really easy way to talk yourself off of the, just the golf stacks that I think, and you could verify, but I think you might've already told us pre-show golf is, is, is one of the more popular quarterbacks. But the long and short of it is, this could be a game, in my opinion, like I I think the Buccaneers, I had them plus three against the Eagles, but I think this could get away from them. And if you go with that game script, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but if you go with that game script, you you could see a conservative approach throughout the game with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs and Jared Goff throwing just one touchdown pass, for example. So I could see Amon Ross St. Brown, he'd probably maybe get there regardless, but I could see Jared Goff not getting there. And I think that's an easy way to convince myself to maybe get off this game and go somewhere else. What say you on that? Yeah, this game, uh, look, uh, there's a lot to like about it. There are certainly scenarios that it can shoot out and absolutely burn you. 
Uh, having said that, I will not be playing Jared Goff myself. Uh, I, there are many, many paths to the Lions winning this game, covering the spread, and Jared Goff scoring 15 fantasy points, uh, which I do not think is going to be anywhere near enough uh, on this slate. So I, you know, I don't think that you get you need three touchdowns from your quarterback most likely. Yeah. I don't think you're getting three touchdowns here. We've actually only seen it uh, three times total this year. You mentioned the five game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of scenarios here where, where golf ends up failing because you're right. They're a very conservative team, and they've got two very capable running backs. Um, so I, I personally think that uh, they're going to win this game, and I think they're going to be extremely conservative. We should also keep in mind this team scored just three points in the second half against the Rams. Uh, the Rams, horrible coaching performance in that game and just got to the red zone every trip, could not convert touchdowns. But yeah. The, uh, the Lions were far from good offensively in that game. Yeah, I thought the play calling in the red zone was was question. I, I hate to question Sean McVay. He's obviously a much smarter uh, play designer than I am. But I, a couple of those, like, you know, you're doing a, an end around on the near side of the field to Puka Nakua, and it's just like it goes nowhere. There was a lot of plays like that. Although I will say this. The Rams should have won that game. It was pass interference on Puka Nakua. It was very obvious to me. Uh, at that point, you got the Rams late in the game with the ball, with the clock winding. Maybe it's a field goal. Maybe it's a touchdown. Then Detroit has to come back and score either a field goal or a touchdown. So I think they kind of got hosed, a little home team stuff on that, that lack of a call there, but that's just me. Let me ask you this, because, Mike, on the other side of it, Meg brought it up. Would you consider a Baker stack? I mean, I don't think I'd consider it with Godwin at this point, but a double stack with maybe Evans and some price relief on a Trey Palmer – I don't hate that with an Amon Ross St. Brown run back. Yeah, I like Baker Mayfield more than I like Goff. I can tell you that. Uh, I think that there's going to be more passing volume on the uh, on the Tampa Bay side. I think they've got more upside in, in hitting deep plays as well. So I, I don't think that Detroit has massive upside in deep plays and, and real massive explosive plays. If they do, it's actually likely coming from someone like Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield. Uh, but I think that Detroit is the better team, and they're going to be able to move the ball down the field uh, I think that Baker's got the upside taking deep shots. So I, I think it's likely we could see a scenario where they are not winning this game. He does get the 300-yard bonus and has two touchdowns. Um, that might be enough So at 6K. Um, so I, I have way more interest in Baker Mayfield than I do in Jared Jones. Are there game scripts that you're going with in this game where you might include some of the passing targets from the Detroit Lions, like a Josh Reynolds who you played a lot last week at 3,700? Yeah, I think guys like Josh Reynolds is probably going to work his way into most of my lineups regardless. Just the price point is uh, kind of silly at 3700 So I, I I think Reynolds is in almost every lineup here. Let me check and give you a, uh, a number. We'll have it do 250 lineups and wide receiver. Like I said, I would be stunned if he wasn't in almost – He's in 95% of lineups when I tell it to build 250. So he's in 238 out of 250 lineups. Um, So, yes, Josh Reynolds will be there. Uh, Monra's down at 40%, so – which is still the second highest owned receiver. So yes, I'll have Reynolds and Amonra in most lineups, which I think gives you more than enough exposure to any scenario where Jared Goff has a three or four passing touchdown day. And just to be clear, those are lineups largely that have those two guys, Amon Ron, Josh Reynolds, but don't have Jared Goff. Correct. Yes. Jared okay. Goff. Uh, let's see. Jared Goff is in 18% of those lineups. So he's in 45 of the 250, while Reynolds is in 238 of the 250. 
Wow, very interesting. Meg, let me kick it back to you before we move on to Chiefs Bills, because you mentioned that conservative running game, uh, or I should say that the conservative approach, and it's easy to be conservative when you have a good offensive line and David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. David Montgomery is 6,100. Jameer Gibbs, 6,600. Do you have a lean one way or the other between these two running backs? No, that's what's been so difficult all year. Basically, since Montgomery got back from his injury, this has been a split. And, you know, we've seen Gibbs have a little more explosive success lately. Montgomery usually comes in lower owned. I'm not sure what it is showing right now. Um, But I actually think they're both projected to be fairly low on this week. It's tough because they're splitting it just like last week. Gibbs gets one, Montgomery gets one. It's tough for that reason. And Buccaneers have a great run defense overall. So I don't know if I see the ceiling to get there. I like other running backs more. We've talked about a couple of them. We'll talk about Pacheco in the next game. I don't know that I'll get there a lot because I like the passing game so much. And when I kind of pass on other receivers in other games, to Mike's point, I think I'm going to have three receivers from this game. You know, it, it may some may be in Baker stacks, but even if, if if I'm not playing Baker and obviously not playing Goff, I will still have probably at least two receivers, if not three. I, I love Amonra. I love Mike Evans. I love the cheap pieces that both sides offer as well. So I really, really like the receiving game in this game. Yeah, and Rashad White, uh, probably a pretty difficult to get to against this Lions uh, rush defense as well at 6,500. But certainly, I, I think a decent play, certainly a decent price there. Let me ask, uh, let me get to some questions in the chat. Mike, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, Sam Laporta, over 36 and a half receiving yards. Any thoughts on that one? Not something I'm going to play um, for a couple of reasons. So I think where I want to play Laporta is in a game where I'm confident that they're going to be neutral or trailing. Um, and have some more hurry up situations. I think there's certainly a shot that you're getting this, you know, in the two minutes before halftime that where he comes into play a little more, but considering the injury concerns as well. Um, yes, he was out there, played a good number of snaps, heavily braced. Uh, there's he's every player in the NFL is one hit away, but couldn't be more true for a tight end who is chipping and blocking on a lot of plays, taking a lot of contact, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I I think the computer has a number at like 38, but not not a situation I'd want to invest in. Okay, and we've got Big Cheesy. He says he likes the under of 48 and a half, by the way. He says he got it at 50 and a half at minus 140, and he's going to hit it live if there's a score, uh, a quick score, which, of course, if there is, it'll inflate that line uh, a few points, and you can hit the under there again. That's interesting. And Josh Lucero says Mike Evans Eight catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. That's what he's going to have this week. By the way, speaking of, of Mike Evans, I do want to point out, just from a prop standpoint, because I think uh, especially those who are not using optimizers, those are, who are hand-building, like myself, for example, they want to know what the uh, you know the yardage props are. And Amon Ross St. Brown, he's slated to have the most yards of the you – know, we're talking the all, all four games, right? 89.5. It's 91.5 in some places, but generally it's right in that 90 range. Nico Collins is next at 77 and a half. Then Rasheed Rice at 69 and a half, although it's up to 74 and a half, 70 and a half, 71 and a half in some places. Uh, Mike Evans is about 69 and a half. Then Brandon Ayuk and then Stefan Diggs in that mid 60 range. So just a, just an FYI there in terms of what the market uh, thinks some of those receivers are going to do, including uh, Josh Lucero's Mike Evans. All right, let's move on to Chiefs plus two and a half at the Bills, 45 point total. I, I wonder, Meg, is this where you think you might have like one of your quarterbacks. Cause I don't know that we've discussed like who your favorite quarterback is necessarily, but you, you know, when, when it comes to touchdown equity, hard to ignore Josh Allen, even though he's super expensive, 
Um, I'm curious to see if you have any opinion as to like kind of who to pair him with or whether to play him naked or how you want to play that. But any interest in Mahomes or Josh Allen from a stacking perspective? From stacking perspective, or like you did last week in your win, it might just be Josh Allen with a cheap piece. Um, you know, it's just that floor ceiling combo. His floor has been insane. You know, 16 rushing touchdowns on the season. He's turned into, you know, Jalen Hurts, just more from a distance, not just a push. Um, getting, you know, he's always like, what, minus 115 around there to score a touchdown. So, yeah. you know, have to like that with the floor. He's been rushing, has eight plus rushing attempts since their bye week. He's just going to have to put the team on the back. The problem is he has a very, they have a very difficult matchup. And that's why I don't have a ton of interest in his receivers. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more playing him for that floor ceiling combo, him, you know, you know, taking off the Clark Kent suit and trying to be Superman basically. So um, to, to win this game. So it, for me, it's Josh Allen for that, you know, floor ceiling combo. And, and I think that's it as far as the, you know, the quarterbacks in this game, as far as stacking Allen, I don't have a ton of interest in Diggs. His matchup, likely against Snead, will be very difficult. So yep. it would probably be a cheap piece like you did, like a Shakir or you know, maybe a Kincaid or Knox. By the way, it's funny you bring that up. So the, the tournament that I took down, it was, it was around 2,400 people in it. And what's really interesting, Mike, I got to give you credit for this because this is from an episode we did, I think, two years ago going into the – like it was going into the playoffs. It might have even been the divisional round where you discussed – Basically in a three max, although I didn't do this in a three max, I did it in two separate single entries. You discussed basically making the same lineup so that you you once you get past the first slate of games, let's say in this case, the Saturday games, you can now make a choice. You can make a choice with one of your lineups to go maybe a little bit more risky to try to get a takedown. And then the other lineup, you keep the same. So I had two single entries that had uh, Matt Stafford as the quarterback in both, and they were identical lineups. And in one of those lineups, by the way, the other one did end up cashing, but not very well. The, one of those lineups, I changed Matt Stafford and somebody else to Josh Allen and Khalil Shakir. And that's what got me ultimately the $2,500 in the takedown. So uh, credit to you on that idea. I, I strongly encourage people to do that, whether it's in the same contest or two different contests, it doesn't matter. It's just a good way to experiment with how late swap works. You keep one lineup the same, you change another lineup. Hopefully it's already in an advantageous position to take down some money once you're doing that late swap. But let me ask you this, Mike, by the way, thank you. And second, do, do you like either of these quarterbacks? Are you stacking this game? I am. Uh, I like both quarterbacks stacking both sides, stacking a lot of Patrick Mahomes here. Personally, uh, the price point a little too cheap. In my opinion, at 6,800, you get a $1,200 discount from Josh Allen, but he's right there in that range with Jared Goff, who, again, we just talked about Jared Goff. He gets the home environment in the dome, uh, but I think unlikely to throw three touchdowns. Now, Patrick Mahomes has a difficult matchup on the road against a team that he's very familiar with, a defense they're very familiar with trying to attack. Uh, if they're neutral or trailing, I have a hard time seeing them taking the football out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Uh, so I think he's going to have the ability to get three-plus touchdowns in this game. I also want to talk about his rushing just a little bit. He typically runs a little more whenever he's facing a quarterback who also runs on the other side. It's almost mm -hmm. like he mentally remembers, hey, wait, I'm athletic. I can do this too. Uh, you watch it. It happens all the time. You can pull up some game logs, look at some of the correlations. Definitely happens there. He's done that against the Bills, 70 yards against them in the playoff game last year. Uh, I think that it happens here in this spot. So I, I like Mahomes a lot here. Um, as far as Josh Allen, I have one interesting thing to note here on Josh Allen. 
Uh, spoiler alert, I've already bet the Chiefs in this game. I think they win the game outright. Wow. Uh, this is the best defense that Kansas City has had for Patrick Mahomes by a large, large margin. Um, so Patrick, or looking at Josh Allen and looking at quarterbacks this league, the, in the league this year, when we're talking about QB pressures and putting QBs under pressure, there are 22 quarterbacks in the NFL this year that have been pressured 120 plus times. I picked 120 to basically remove guys that were not playing every week, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so 120 pressures, there were 22 quarterbacks. Josh Allen ranks just 17th uh, when playing under pressure in terms of yards per attempt. And where it gets interesting is looking at the completion percentage under pressure as well. He ranks 20th out of 22 in the NFL. Now he potentially doesn't have Gabe Davis out there. Uh, but why this is fascinating, Kansas City was the best team in the league at generating unblocked pressures in the NFL. Uh, and a lot of that was due to McDuffie. The game that they had the most unblocked pressures was in week 14 against the Bills. I think this is a spot where they know how to put pressure on Josh Allen, force him into certain mistakes. Um, however, you can get away with mistakes. I think the game's going to be very competitive back and forth. We know Allen's rushing upside, but I, I love Mahomes here. He is the top quarterback on the slate for me. That's very interesting. So with Pat, uh, by the way, Gabe Davis will have to keep an eye on it. Would you agree with me that if Gabe Davis is out, Khalil Shakir at 3,800, uh, a great play? But I guess the more the bigger question is, if Gabe Davis is active, do you still like Shakir at 3,800? I do. I probably like Shakir more if Gabe Davis is active because I don't think Gabe Davis is going to be uh, a, a big, big threat here. I, I don't think Kansas City is going to give him enough time for some of those deep shots to develop anyway. Uh, so if he's out there running routes, uh, yeah, I think it's just taking away ownership on the Shakur side. So Shakur definitely is the first Buffalo Bill uh, in my lineup. Uwe 2K, that probably answers your question there. And by the way, thanks for the nice comments, Uwe 2K, on uh, you know, watching this show. You're in here uh, along with a lot of other people uh, every Tuesday, every Friday. Big Cheesy, I see you. Um, so everybody, thank you for, for being in here and supporting the show, hitting the like button, reviewing the podcast, all of that kind of thing. Mike, I got to go back to you though. Cause if you like Mahomes, I need to know who you're stacking them with. Kelsey's only 6,000. You know, we got some of these, we got Rasheed Rice, who obviously from, I just mentioned from a yardage standpoint, he's up there inside the top five. He's 6,800. Justin Watson, 3,300. MBS, 3,000. Richie James, 3,000. Like there's just like random guys at this point, but I'm curious how do you stack them? It's a four game slate. Are you going like, is this like an overstack situation where you're stacking him with like three guys? Is it two guys? And then you're moving on. How are you doing it? Yeah, a lot of it will be Kansas City onslaughts um, in the sense that I think the targets are going to be very uh, limited on the distribution here. I think it's going to be a lot of Kelsey Rice and Pacheco. I think Pacheco, that he's going to touch the ball on the ground a lot in this game still. I just think the red zone efficiency is going to come on the arm of Patrick Mahomes, but I, I do think that Pacheco is going to be heavily involved. So Kelsey, by far my favorite target here. Um, I know he's had a disappointing year. It's reflected in the price point. You get these two for 12,800. That is legitimately a $4,000 discount or more from peak times. Um, now you're also limiting the size of the slate, which I think you can't really overstate. Uh, you don't have to outscore 20 teams. You have to outscore, you know, seven other teams essentially. So when I look at Travis Kelsey, as much as he's been frustrating, he's been very good in this matchup uh, overall. So they played once already this year. Travis Kelsey had 10 targets, six for 83 in that game. Did not find the end zone, but six for 83. Uh, arguably one of his better games of the season. You look back in the playoffs last year, 
another 10 target game. He caught eight of them, 108 yards. Look back the year before that when they met, 10 targets, six receptions. He had no fewer than 10 targets any of the last three times they've played each other. Uh, and the price points reflect the way they performed this year. So I, I Travis Kelsey, to me, is way too cheap still considering the size of the slate. Big Cheesy says the Bills have given up the sixth most receiving yards to opposing running backs. Certainly, that's good evidence to play Mahomes with uh, Pacheco as well in, in some of those stacks that uh, Mike McClure is considering. Uh, Meg, I, you know, I, I got to be honest because I, I want to get away from the Jared Goff stacks, okay? And, I, and I'm pretty convinced here that, that Mahomes might actually be the play. I think you could stack Josh Allen with a Khalil Shakir like I did last week and, and get out and, and have like a Travis Kelsey, maybe even a Rasheed Rice run back. But how are you feeling about the, those Mahomes stacks? I see all the points um, that, that Mike makes excellent points. And, and I see what you're saying as well, especially if his ownership comes in lower um, too. I think I just like a other quarterbacks better to have to hit a, hit a true ceiling that I'm going to probably play them above Mahomes, but I like Mahomes as weapons. I love Kelsey. You can, you guys talk about two tight end builds. You can do a Kittle Kelsey build. Yep. You could do a Kelsey with another tight end. You know, you can do those type of builds. So uh, in fact, I know last week, two tight end builds worked, worked very well. So I definitely am interested in Kelsey, Rice, Pacheco. I'm interested in a lot of weapons. I just don't see me getting to Mahomes a lot. But the other three, I'm really in on. Awesome. And I think we covered, I mean, listen, James Cook, Mike, I don't think I'm going to be on James Cook. There's just too much going on inside the red zone with Josh Allen and guys like Ty Johnson or Leonard Fournette. Um, it's a no for me on Cook. Any thoughts there? Yeah, mostly going to be a no. Like, again, four-game slate, certainly uh, viable enough and could get there. Uh, mm -hmm. But kind of the same situation with the, the Kansas City side and why I like Mahomes so much. You get to this point in the season, it's a must-win game. The football is going to be in Josh Allen's hands more often than not. Um, yeah. So I, I think that if you want to bet on Cook having, you know, a 40-yard run that, that solidifies his floor or catching, you know, one of those touchdown passes at some point, like I think it's well within the range of outcomes. I don't know that I want to go invest there because I think the volume could really fall out here. Uh, and the price point's so close to a guy like Aaron Jones – uh, I think Jameer Gibbs has more upside anyway. Uh, but mm -hmm. with Aaron Jones, you're locked into 20 touches. Uh, you certainly are not when it comes to playing James Cook. Um, before we move on, though, I want to talk about quarterbacks and some of the correlation uh, because mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have a pretty strong positive correlation um, when, when playing each other in terms of fantasy points. So if you're considering one or the other and you find one side a little easier to stack, uh, I, I think that you could definitely play either side here and know that you're likely getting exposure. So if you're worried about fading Josh Allen a little bit um, with and playing Patrick Mahomes, just note that there is a pretty meaningful correlation there. And, and what I mean by that is like James Cook, like the correlation between Patrick or between Josh Allen and James Cook, it's actually higher with Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, which is pretty crazy to think about there because they're obviously on opposing teams and you can't score when you don't have the ball. Uh, but Josh Allen having a big game and putting Patrick Mahomes in neutral or trailing situations is very, very good for Patrick Mahomes scoring fantasy points. Okay. And uh, Greg says he says, Kelsey Kittle double tight end this week. I think that's certainly in play. Uh, Uwe 2K says, Brevin Jordan and Isaiah likely double for me. Uh, 
Brevin Jordan, like that was a great catch and run, but that was literally his only catch. I, I, I don't, although he's good price relief, he's really inexpensive. Um, I don't think I'm going to go that route. I wish Mark Andrews wasn't playing because likely would would be a, a much better option for me. Uh, by the way, just to Mike's point about the rushing yards for Patrick Mahomes, it's up to 29 and a half in some markets, 27 and a half in others. Like that's not nothing. That That is a pretty high rushing total for, for Mahomes. And just to give you some perspective, uh, Josh Allen's is in that 44 and a half uh, rushing total, which is right – feels uh, just about right, to be honest with you. Um, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to close the show. Maybe just talk about maybe our, our favorite game, maybe our favorite stack. We'll just go around the horn and, and talk about where we think um, most of our investment, which game most of our investment is going to be in. But first, let's hear. Okay, Meg, we are back. I want to ask you before we close the show, we're not going to do cheat sheets, uh, or, or may maybe Mike will give us a, a little bit of a, a top three preview, maybe at the quarterback position or maybe some of his favorite plays but uh, because it's a four game slate you know no cheat sheet just like last week we, we didn't have a cheat sheet but Meg I just want to ask you to close the show we got four games here yeah you know, like what game do you think you're going to pick out and, and really get aggressive with I think the game that I'll have a ton of exposure to now this isn't necessarily my favorite quarterback stack but the game I'll have the most exposure to probably will be that Bucks Lions, but again, it's from the, the passing game and and maybe mm -hmm. some Jameer Gibbs again, maybe being included in the passing game. But it's it's that Bucks Lions game that I really, really, really will have a lot of access to the receivers. All right, Mike, same question for you. Uh, it's definitely Bills Chiefs for me. Um, I, I'm playing Mahomes a, a lot, and then looking at guys like Shakur and taking some shots with double tight ends uh, with Kelsey and Dalton Kincaid. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely that game. Um, and then if you want me to see, I can give you my, I can tell you the three quarterbacks I'm playing and who I'm not playing if you want. Um, yeah, cause I already know that for sure. Go ahead. Playing, yeah, I'd love to hear uh, that. The three quarterbacks I am playing are Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Uh, I am not playing any Jared Goff or Brock Purdy. I might get one Josh Allen lineup. I'm playing five lineups total. Uh, but I will not have Jared Goff or Brock Purdy. Okay. Uh, and no, you said no Jordan Love, of course, too, right? Yes, no Jordan Love, not or CJ Stroud. Um, if I were playing more lineups, I would have both, but not uh, not playing either of those two. Yeah, I found myself getting, and this is just my way of answering the same question I put out. I, I found myself getting to brock purdy and jared goff when i was making lineups but again on this four game slate i just think it's very easy to get different off what's probably going to be two of the most popular uh, you know, quarterbacks to stack i i think i'm with mike here i i think i'm probably with those mahomes stacks i'll probably just benefiting off josh allen last week i mean i, I don't hate i know this kc defense is legit uh but i i do think uh, with a 24 implied total for Buffalo, we could see some fireworks from Josh Allen and just stacking him with somebody like Khalil Shakir, maybe double stacking him, but I'm not really interested in Stefan Diggs. So I'll, I'll find out maybe it'll be a Dalton Kincaid situation. I can still bring that back with one or two chiefs and still get a couple of pieces maybe from, you know, of the games I'm really interested in outside of a, a stacks in those games. I mean, it, it'd probably be that green Bay San Francisco game. I'd be trying to get uh, some equity in that game. So yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm convinced on Mahomes. I'm gonna have some Josh Allen. So if I if I were to give a top three, it would be those two and probably Brock Purdy. Because I do think this Green Bay Packers defense has really shown up the last three weeks. I mean, we this was a defense that was thought of as like basically a doormat, and they've really shown up. But with San Francisco having an extra week, being rested, I do see a scenario where Brock Purdy 
And by the way, I think the Green Bay Packers are going to push the San Francisco 49ers offensively. So I do see a scenario where Brock Purdy has three touchdown passes, one of which is to Christian McCaffrey and, and over 300 yards. So that's something uh, that's certainly in play. All right, Mike, uh, Meg, before we get out of here, maybe just uh, some final thoughts on how to approach uh, this four-game slate. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Uh, yeah, once again, do not be afraid to be different. Uh, you know, people calling out liking likely, liking Brevin Jordan. Uh, if you want to play one lineup with Brevin Jordan, I think it's fine. Uh, the other thing, once again, small slate, do not, if you're using an optimizer, do not tell it to not allow a defense against a quarterback. Um, there are plenty of scenarios, and there is some correlation there. You give up a defensive touchdown, you're now trailing, you're now throwing the football more, right? So don't rule it out on a short slate. All right, Meg, final thoughts. I mean, Mike covered it perfectly, you know, all the things to consider with a short slate that's so different from main slate. We talk about it a lot every Tuesday. But um, but yeah, again, don't be afraid to give it different. Don't pin yourself in with too many rules. Um, you know, you can overstack, you can not stack your quarterback. Um, you can, you know, really do all sorts of things and, and get into a lot of things in your bag. So um, it's going to be a fun week and good luck to everybody out there. Absolutely. And, and my advice would be everything that Meg and Mike just said, but also just have conviction with your place. You know, like if last week with the, the one tournament I, I did win, I had conviction with three or four guys that I was definitely going to play basically no matter what. And it was that was predicated on a lot of different things, whether it be ownership or just um, what I thought they were going to produce. And then I, I kind of built around that ultimately. But my point is, even if it's popular guys, like be overweight to, to the guys that you think are going to smash on the slate. Don't diverse your portfolio so much that you've just thinned everything out that so that when you do hit, it's just like one of the lineups that you hit because all the other lineups are different. So just have conviction with your plays, have conviction with your game scripts and uh that's pretty much it i think that's um i think that's the best advice especially with these shorter slates like just go all in in terms of like what how you think these games are going to go all right well we're wishing everybody a, a ton of great luck we'll be back with so this is this show is going to be probably once a week now so i think we're going to see you next thursday at the same time to talk about the next slate of games um we'll have programming updates when it comes to that just in case i'm wrong about that Definitely sign up for the FFT DFS contest. If you haven't already, tell all your friends. And again, thanks for being in here. Really appreciate everybody. We'll see you next week on Fantasy Football Today, DFS.